Uh, if you're just joining us tonight, uh, we're in the middle of a series that we're calling Escape. And really kind of the question that we're asking together is, is that if, if I find myself in a place where I, I really never expected my life to be and I was kind of hoping it wouldn't be. and Or maybe you're here tonight and you go, I may be okay with where I am now, but the future better be better than this. And, and, and something's got to change and something's got to get me there. Then you may be sitting in exactly the right series. And what we're talking about is how do I take what seems to be the repeating mistakes of my life, the rut that my life seems to begin, and how do you get out of it? How do you escape the things that seem to have kind of fenced your life in and are just holding you in check? And so we're asking some really hard questions, and we're even saying to God, God, look, you can probe, you can prod, you can even scare us a little bit. Just get us out of this, and thus the series escape. But before we get too far in that, if you've been hanging around here for a while, you know, I mean, God has just been doing crazy, crazy, incredible stuff around here. This service may not be quite as weird because this is the smallest service uh, uh, that we have on any uh, given Sunday. But what you need to know is, is that in the morning services right now, every single one of our morning services, you cannot find a seat inside of this auditorium. We've got an overflow over in the other building that has about 100 plus seats. Our overflow is overflowing on Sunday mornings, and it's just been absolutely crazy. We're doing five services right now, and our hope was kind of that we would be able to make it to the new auditorium with five services, but it is just so obvious that there is no way we're going to get that far um, given the next six months. So uh, the plans have been made for us to start a sixth service. We'll end up having four uh, in the morning. And uh, Look, here, when God's doing cool stuff, then God's people just kind of have to rise to the moment and do uh, what they need to do. You may not be aware of this, but to pull off, you ready for this? To pull off one service takes 360 volunteers. So uh, as we begin to add that, then we're immediately coming and saying, guys, we need some help. And Ron, I think last week, talked to you guys a little bit. He showed you uh, some forms like this that you could fill out. And what we asked you to consider is, would you be willing to serve one hour a month for the next six months? Would you do that? Could you help us just one hour a month for the next six months pull off a sixth service? And you say, well, Len, I, I come to the sixth or the, to the fifth service, which will soon be the sixth service, and you're doing them. doesn't matter because what's possible is if you'll serve either before or during this service, we may be able to pull people down to the mornings to help out. So would you serve one hour a month for the next six months? And tons of you filled these out last week. So if you filled them out, that's great. We're going to be calling you following up. But you may not have gotten a chance last week, or you may have said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to pray about it before I fill it out. This is your chance. It's in your program tonight. You can fill this out. You can help us get where we need to get in the next six months till we can have a building, then there's going to be three services and we can all go exactly the hour we want to and it's going to be totally, totally cool for a while. Okay, so that's coming. <laughs> um, escape series. We've been going through and saying, look, uh, the only way that we're going to be able to get where we need to get and get out of the ruts that we're finding our lives in is by giving God permission to challenge what we've always believed about life. And if you'll remember, and if you were here a couple weeks ago when we first started, uh, we basically talked about the idea that every single one of us uh, in our life has core beliefs. In other words, you've got things that your mama taught you when you were young. And, and then you went to your dad and he said, 
shut up, don't ask me, go ask your mama. Remember that? That's, those are core beliefs, things that we believe about life, things that, that when we interpret life, we interpret life based on our core beliefs. Our friends taught us some of those beliefs. We learned some of them in school. We just picked some of them up from culture. But you and I have core beliefs, things that we believe are always true, and they help us to understand life. And then based on those core beliefs, you and I make decisions. And there'll be moments in our life where we'll decide something and we may not even be able to articulate it. We may not even be able to say it. We, we would say something like, I, you know, I don't know. I, I just was sure that it was the thing to do. I, I, I just felt so convinced that that was the right thing to do. Or we may say it just, it just added up. It seemed so logical that this was the right decision. And you may not be able to even say it out loud, but here's what you need to know. The reason you believed that about your decision was because of what you believed in your core beliefs. And even though you may not have been able to connect the dots, that's how you got to that decision. And that's why that decision seemed so right in your life. And then, of course, we all know that out of those beliefs... And out of those decisions then come outcomes for our lives and, and things that show up, they're the result. And scripture would just simply say it this way, what a man sows, that will he also reap. And what we challenged you was this, what if, what if my core beliefs were wrong? What if what I thought was true and what I believed was true was mistaken all of my life? And how powerful would it be to be able to say to God, God, look, take a look at my core beliefs and in the places where they're mistaken, in the places where I've believed a lie and where I've taken an untruth and held it close. Would you reveal that? Would you show that? And would you replace it with the truth? And what we came to understand is, is that by doing that, we have the power to literally change the trajectory of our life. Because here's the reality. Even a modest change in my core beliefs has the ability to drastically change my outcomes. If you remember back, we, we talked about a woman who came to the conclusion and said, look, look, all men are dogs. Any amens to that? All men, I mean, everything in life has taught me that. All of my experiences have confirmed it. All men are dogs. And what we said is, is if that's a core belief, then it's completely logical to then decide, well, I'll just have nothing to do with men then. I mean, I'll just keep men at a distance. I won't date men. I won't be around men because here's the answer. All men are dogs. And the smartest thing you can do is keep men away. And then we said the outcome. Suddenly I live a life of disappointment. A life of loneliness. And potentially confusion. Because I I look at other people and I go, whoa, 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 wait wait a minute. Somehow their relationship is working. And, And I thought... But we said, what if, what if that very same woman were to simply slightly change her belief? What if, what if she were to come to the conclusion that not all men are dogs? What if she were to decide most men are dogs? Okay. Just most men are dogs, which means you ready? Some aren't that slight change. And suddenly now she can decide and say, look, 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 I'll simply date the sum. I'll look for one of the men who's not a dog. 
And suddenly one day she's walking down the aisle with an amazing guy. And her life is drastically different. So then we ask the question, if a life's trajectory can change that much by a slight shift in belief, what if, what if you and I have spent our lives believing what the world told us? What if even as we came to Christ, we brought with us all the old truths and that you and I are still living by the old lies? And what if we invited Christ and said, Christ, would you look at the things I've believed all my life? And would you hold them up into the light of scripture? And I would even give you permission to change those beliefs. That permission could change a life. That's what escape has been all about. Matter of fact, Paul, the apostle, would have simply said it this way to us. He would have said, look, look, stop being conformed to the image of the world. Stop, stop thinking the way that people who don't know God think. And stop believing the things that people who don't know your Jesus believe. Because you can't expect as a Christian to believe the things they believe, think the things that they think, and expect your life to turn out better than theirs. And so Paul would say, no, no, stop being conformed to the patterns of this world and instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's simply saying this, is giving God permission to say, look, you can go to those things which I always have believed were true. And when they're not, change them. Change the way I think so that I think like you. Jesus said it this way. When you become my follower, when you become my disciple, when you decide to obey my commands, you ready for this? Even before they even make sense to you. Because if you wait for them to make sense, you'll probably never do them. But if you will simply choose to believe them because I told you that, then here's what Jesus said. Then, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, guys, that's an amazing promise. And, it's, and that promise makes it worth the scariness of going back and saying, God, what is it I have believed all my life that maybe has sent me in the wrong direction? Would you reveal truth? Would you provide my escape? And today we're going to challenge one of those beliefs. So here we go. Here's, here's old belief. Here's what we thought was true. Life is supposed to be fair. Right? All right. So, so maybe life isn't supposed to be fair, but God is. Right? I mean, because here's the deal. Life throws a bunch of curves at us and, and life does stuff to us. But isn't God kind of the cosmic referee? Isn't he the one that like blows the whistle when, when bad people are winning and when things are not going right and when evil is triumphing? Doesn't he throw the flag and doesn't he enforce the penalty and make the evil ones go back 15 yards? I mean, isn't that what God's supposed to do? Isn't he the cosmic referee of fairness? And the truth is, many of us, many of us are sitting here tonight. And if we were honest, here's what we would have to say. God, I've been waiting for you to call the foul for years. I've been waiting for you to fix the wrong. 
and, and to somehow balance out what that person did or, or that where I got short. And see, I, stop thinking about this. Unfairness starts in our life at birth, right? I mean, many of us were born kind of on the homely side, right? I mean, how come some people are beautiful and don't you just hate them a little bit? I mean, you know, and then, and then how come some people are born amazing athletes? How does that happen? How, how, how come they're gifted and I'm running like a five minute 50 yard dash? I mean, how does that happen? And what about some of our families? Is that fair? I mean, that I would get a brother or a sister like that? I mean, come on. And, and it not only starts at birth, but here's the reality of it. The rest of life is filled with unfairness. And anybody here go, no, 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 not me. I mean, my life is the model of fairness. I mean, I'm right about even, right about as I sit right now. So let me ask you a question. How does that fit with the idea that God is our cosmic referee, supposed to be balancing out all the stuff, all the wrongness of life? And here's what you need to know, that if you and I believe that, what Scripture is going to tell us is the old way of thinking, it's not what God does at all, then you and I are going to be left with two places to go with that belief. One is, 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 is what I call a victim mentality. See, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go, hey, there was this moment. There was this person. And Lynn, I just can't tell you what they did to me and how wrong it was. And here's the problem. God never showed up. No one blew the whistle. Nobody made them go back 15 yards. I, I guess I'm just a victim. I guess I'm just the person that bad things happen to. That's just my plot in life. And, and if you and I begin to believe that, then pretty soon you and I are going to make the decision that says, look, I've got to do something to make it back to fair. Because see, the problem is I'm on the wrong side of fair. I'm on the short end of fair. So I need to do something in my life. So, I mean, you know, wh- whatever that is, I, I need to cheat a little bit in my business deal so I can get my finances back to fair. Or, or you know what, I, I just a couple well-placed lies will get me back to fair. Maybe if I just pile up enough stuff, then people will appreciate me and I'll get back to fair. And maybe if I trade in my wife and, and get the other model, then I can get back to fair. And suddenly we're making decisions that say, look, 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 I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm just trying to undo the unfair. And then suddenly I'm living with the consequences of those decisions. And, and I've got a life filled with discipline and God spanking me. And then the natural results of my bad choices. And suddenly I'm going, whoa, 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 Because this is even more unfair. Because all I was doing was trying to get myself too fair. How can you spank me for that?
Some of us have lived our entire lives feeling the victim, trying to get back to fair. And, and you know what happens to God's word in that moment? See, then I go, whoa, 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 whoa. no, 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 God, don't come to me with any rules. Don't come to me with any do's and don'ts, because here's the thing, it's not fair yet. And, and, and I get it that your rules apply when we get back to fair. But right now, I just need to catch up. So your rules can go on hold, God. When I get to fair, we'll talk again. Here's another choice. The other choice, when I believe that God's supposed to be the cosmic referee, making everything somehow balance out. And then I get to a moment in my life and I go, where were you? See, evil people won. And they still haven't admitted they were wrong. And I still don't see punishment. And I still don't see the scales balanced. Hey God, where were you? I mean, were you on vacation? What, was there some like nuclear disaster somewhere and, and I just got over... I mean, where were you? Because this isn't fair. And somewhere in our hearts, we decide, well, maybe the answer is that God just isn't there at all. And the reality is some of us sitting in this room tonight are just now coming back to God. See, somewhere in our past, there was a moment of deep, desperate, dark unfairness. And we just said, no, 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 no. If that's how it works. And you want me to believe there's a God who lets that happen? And we walked away. And some of us are in here, in this room tonight, coming back after years of being away and saying, okay, okay, God, I'm going to give you a second chance at fair. Let's see if you can do better this time. What if I told you tonight that God doesn't care about fair? What, what if I said to you, God doesn't care about fair? I mean, I mean, this side of heaven, because we know you get to heaven, then God's going to set all the accounts right. But, but what if I said, this side of heaven, God doesn't care? About fair. See, some of you would go, well, that explains a lot. That explains my entire life. <laughs> Makes sense. Now, I'm not sure I like that, God. I think I'm probably a little bit angry and a little bit disappointed because I thought, I thought his job was to make it fair. I thought his job was to be the referee in life. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. If you're telling me God doesn't care about fair, then oh, all the pieces stack up. I just am not sure I like that answer. What if we spent the night, rest of the night just talking a little bit and maybe discovering that there's something more important than fair? Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of John.
you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, you're going to find maps. And uh, just head to the left. And don't get confused by 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. I don't know why they put those there except to confuse us. Go till you get to John, John. Okay? Book of John, chapter 9. Here's a really cool story there in which Jesus is going to talk to his disciples. Are you ready? About fair. John chapter 9. Here's the story. John chapter 9, verse 1. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, which just simply means teacher, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. You get what's happened. Think about this moment. Here's Jesus. He's walking along with his disciples. And there's this guy sitting on the side of the road. He's probably begging for money because that's all he can do. How do you plow fields when you're blind? And so his plight in life is to sit on the edge of the road and beg strangers to give him money because he was born blind. And the disciples see this and immediately their hearts say unfair i mean i mean how can how can that be fair how could how can it be fair that someone would be born blind and spend their entire life with that disadvantage that can't possibly be fair and so their minds immediately begin to search and to look and go there's there's got to be something that balances this out that makes it make sense that makes it even there's got to be something that brings fairness to the moment so they asked Jesus the question, go, Jesus, look, look, who sinned? Who sinned? Did, did he sin? Did, did his parents sin? Who sinned? And, and, and then you get to think and you go, wait a minute. He was blind from birth. I mean, can babies sin? And so if it's his parents who sinned, are you telling me that his parents sinned and now he's living with the punishment? For his parents' sin. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, who sinned? Jesus answers. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. And you get what Jesus just said. It's not about fair. Wrong question. Neither he nor his parents sinned. And then Jesus goes on to reveal the truth. Here's what he says. Jesus said, but this happened So that the work of God might be displayed in his life. You get what Jesus said? Jesus said, look, 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 look. It's not about fair. It never has been about fair. And God's not some cosmic referee. It's not about fair. It's about God's glory. It's about God's fame. And if you stop and let that sink in, 
And you let the new truth replace the old truth. And suddenly, everything changes. See, here's what Jesus is saying in this moment. He's saying to his disciples, guys, 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 guys. It's not about fair, because here's what you need to know. That God does some of his best work on the canvas of unfairness. God's glory and fame sometimes is best represented, best seen, painted on a background of unfair. It never was about fair. It has always been about glory. And that changes everything. Let me see if I can give you some help. Think about every Bible story you love. Think about every Bible character who did something amazing for God. Run the story through your heart and your mind. And guess what the common thread will be in every single story? Unfairness. It's Daniel getting thrown in the lion's den. It's Peter getting beat up for talking about Jesus. Story of Joseph. You guys know the story of Joseph. You know what the story of Joseph is supposed to teach us? That sometimes, you ready for this? Sometimes God doesn't only let it be unfair. Sometimes God lets unfairness be unheaped on top of unfairness, heaped on top of unfairness, heaped on top of unfairness. So that at the end of the day that you and I will know that God is in control. Think about the story. Here's Joseph. He's a young teenage boy. His daddy loves him better than any of his brothers. And his brothers can't stand it. They are jealous out of their minds. Joseph hasn't necessarily done anything. His daddy just loves him more than the other brothers. And they hate him for it. And so one day when daddy's back home and they're out in the field, his brothers take him out and give him a whooping. Matter of fact, they beat him up severely, drop him into a pit. And then, you ready for this? In kindness, decide not to murder Joseph, but instead to sell their youngest brother into slavery. Now, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking. If there was a guy who would qualify for victim mentality, it's Joseph down in the pit. Because if I'm Joseph, I'm going, hey, unfair. Joseph gets sold into a foreign land. He doesn't even know the language. Some rich guy buys him. And get this, and get this. Joseph, Joseph, despite all the unfairness of his life, says, no, 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 no. I'm I'm just going to serve God as a slave in a foreign land. I'm going to serve God. Get ready, Joseph, because God's going to put more unfairness on. And as Joseph is there, then the rich man's wife takes a look at Joseph and says, man, he's a pretty good looking guy. Makes a pass at Joseph. Joseph, right? Joseph, being a godly guy, says, no, 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 no. I can't do this. I couldn't do this to God, and I can't do this to your husband. No. She is so upset about his rejection. She goes to her husband and says, hey, you'll never guess what your slave tried to do to me. And Potiphar has Joseph's thrown into jail for attempted rape. 
See, I'm thinking, if I'm Joseph, unfair. Scripture describes Joseph's internment in the correctional institution as after a long while. (laughs) If I'm Joseph, I'm going, yeah, yeah. The Bible then says that there are some other guys put in jail with Joseph and these two guys have a dream. And if you know the story, you know that the Bible says that Joseph had been given by God the ability to interpret dreams. And so he turns to one of the guys who's had a dream and says, look, your dream means you're getting out of here. And and when you get out, would you simply remember to say something to Pharaoh about me? Because I'm innocent. And the guy goes, yeah, (laughs) sure. I'll say something about you. Mr. Innocent. And the Bible says that he promptly got out of jail and forgot about Joseph. Two years pass. Pharaoh has a dream. And this guy goes, you know, there there was this guy in jail. He, He pretended to be innocent. And he could interpret dreams. And they bring Joseph out, and you guys know the story. He interprets Pharaoh's dream, and Pharaoh is so impressed. Get this? He takes Joseph from being a jailbird to being number two in Egypt. Now, here's where the story gets good. The dream that Pharaoh had was that there was going to be famine in the land. And so Joseph's interpretation was, we need to store up food so when the famine comes, we'll have food. And sure enough, here came the famine. Egypt was the only place you could get food. And now suddenly, the brothers of Joseph needed food. And guess where they had to come? To Egypt. And guess who was the dispenser of food? And see, now here's the thing. If I'm Joseph, you know what I'm thinking? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Fairness has come. See, we're we're simply going to kill my brothers by cutting their heads off slowly. (laughs) Fairness, finally. You want to hear the words of Joseph in that moment? Grab your Bibles and go to the book of Genesis. First book of the Bible, Genesis, chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. Joseph's brothers have come. They've realized he is Joseph, the guy with all the food. He's the one in control. He's the number two guy in Egypt. Man, they are in trouble. Here's what Joseph says to them. Verse 19. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. I am in the place of God. After all this unfairness, after unfairness upon unfairness upon unfairness upon unfairness, I am exactly where God wanted me. I am in the place of God. And you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And guys, here's what we need to get. 
Sometimes God does his best work painted on the canvas of unfairness. And sometimes what he's doing is simply this. He allows unfairness upon unfairness upon unfairness to simply remind you, to remind me and everybody who's watching, I'm still God and I'm still in control. Second thing, sometimes, sometimes God removes unfairness. Sometimes God reaches down and and he heals our hurt and he takes our offense away and he, he restores us. Because in doing that, he reminds our hearts, there is nothing that anyone can do to you. There's no failure that you can be part of that I can't restore you from. There's nothing that big. Matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, hop over with me one last time to the book of Romans. It's going to be almost to the back of your Bible. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, chapter 8. Romans. Most of you know this verse. You just may not have known what God was saying in it. It's Romans, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Here's what it says. And we know. And we know. And we know. That God works all things for the good of those who love Him. And sometimes, sometimes God allows our injury, our hurt, the unfairness... So that he can restore us. So that he can demonstrate there is no harm that can come to your life. There's nothing that can go awry that I cannot redeem you from. There's nothing that big. There's no harm that great that I cannot restore. I've got a friend. His dad was in ministry When my friend was a little boy, his dad, the pastor of the church, began to have an affair with the organist. And my friend had a moment of unfairness with God. How does that happen? How does the most godly man in my life have an affair with the organist? My friend called me up, talked to me years later. He said, Lynn, you'll, you'll never believe what God is doing with this. See, Dad married the organist. And, and my mom, a couple years later, she got married to another guy. But here's the deal. It's been like 20 years. My dad just got like completely sick. I mean, he's in the hospital sick. And the organist took off on him, just left him there. My mom, who was married to this other guy for years and years, he died a couple years ago. So here's my dad sitting in the hospital room by himself because the organist took off. And guess who goes to sit with him? It's totally weird. My mom. My mom goes to sit with my dad. It's so bizarre, Lynn. Is it, and if that's, not, if that's not weird enough, they're talking. They're, they're talking to each other in the hospital room. And, and it's, just not, it's not just normal talk. It's like goo-goo talk. They're like dating in the hospital. It's like totally bizarre. And then and he gets out and they came over to my house. And guess what they told me? 
They're getting married again. So and it's just like the weirdest thing. Sometimes, sometimes God allows unfairness in my life to show me and to show others who are watching that there's nothing that He can't restore or heal or mend. Sometimes, sometimes God just leaves unfairness there. He just lets it sit in our lives. You ever wonder why? Because some of us are stubborn. Some of us are so thick in the head that that's the only way we can learn anything is on the wrong side of unfairness. And, and here's, here's what we need to know. And God loves you and I enough to say, you need to learn this. And you were never going to learn it the easy way because you're stubborn. Have you looked in the mirror lately? You're stubborn. And, and so I brought unfairness in your life, not because I'm a mean jerk, but because I love you too much to leave you the way you are. Matter of fact, that's the rest of the passage in Romans. Here's what it says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. Okay, that's you and me. He predestined. He decided where we were going. Guess where we were going? To be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. See, here's the deal. God said, look, look, look. I'm going to make you look like Jesus, whether you like it or not. And so sometimes I'm going to allow unfairness in your life because if I had left you alone, you would have never learned this. You would have skipped the course. And so I brought something that you couldn't avoid into your life to teach you what you could not have learned any other way. Some of you guys know my story. And you know that my parents divorced when I was a young boy at about nine. And I will tell you that at nine years old, watching my Christian parents divorce, I said to God, hey, foul, someone throw the flag. Because this doesn't happen in Christian homes, right? And can I tell you that my nine-year-old understanding screamed out, Unfair. I watched my dad, who was an executive in an electronics company, (laughs) buy the boats, buy the planes, buy bigger upon bigger upon bigger house, while we struggled. And guess what my heart said? Unfair. My baby sister was autistic back before anybody knew what autism was and long before they had any way of dealing with autism. And I'm going to tell you that my baby sister's favorite way of saying hi to people when they came over to the house was to like sock them as hard as she possibly could. Which was really funny about the first two or three times. You know, your friends are on the ground. But it was hard to get them to come back. 
My baby sister did all sorts of things that if you're a 13-year-old boy, embarrass you to death. And can I tell you that as a 13-year-old boy, I said, unfair. Why me? And why my family? I have the benefit of years gone by now. And I will tell you that I look back to the unfairness that God left laying all over my life. And I go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. See, God gave me a little sister who needed me the minute I walked in the door. Because he knew deep down inside of me was an incredibly selfish person who had every ability to be completely self-absorbed and uncaring. And so he gave me a little sister who needed me. He gave me a family that struggled to make ends meet so that I could learn that when you have God, you have enough. And suddenly I realized God was preparing me for here, for ministry. He was teaching me things that I would have never learned any other way except in unfairness. See, here's the answer at the end of the day. Sometimes God does his very best work in us painted on a canvas of unfair. When you guys came in tonight, did you get a paintbrush? Paintbrush. Everybody got a paintbrush? Yes? No? Okay, we've got two paintbrushes. Good. Uh, we've got a, a project here at the church, and if every one of you would just simply do your part... No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Let me tell you why we gave you paintbrushes. There's this guy, Channel 8, public access channel. You've seen him. Looks like he went to sleep in 1973 and woke up a couple years ago. He's got big fro thing going on. You know the guy I'm talking about. I'm flipping through the channels, and here's, here's what happens to me every day. I stop. I don't know why I, st- I stop on this guy. And, and, here, and here's what he does. He starts painting a picture, and he gets out like spatulas and putty knives, and he's going... And I'm going... That... And I, I've seen him a hundred times. You've seen him, right? And, and I go, okay, this is it. This, you've ruined this one. There ain't no recovery from that. And so I watch. I sit back and I go, okay, going to watch you ruin it. And, and you know the answer, right? Every time, every time he pulls it out. Every time he takes that and, and, and it turns into something so cool. I couldn't have painted that. Can you imagine if I'd gone down to the set and walked in there and said, Look, dude, you're blowing it, man. Give me the brush. I mean, that would have been ugly, right? I mean, whoosh. You ever notice he smiles when he's painting? See, I think he knows I'm watching and freaking out. You know, he's, just, he's going, Lynn's really getting upset right now. You realize some of us, some of us have grabbed the paintbrush out of God's hands. Because somewhere in his life as he was painting away on our canvas, 
unfairness showed up. Wrong was winning. The balances were uneven. And we said, God, 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 give me the brush. You go sit down. I'll paint till we get back to fair. And then we'll talk about whether or not you can paint in my life ever again. And some of us walked in the room tonight with the brush firmly clutched in our hands, waiting for God to make it fair. Let's bow our heads. I'm just going to ask you with your heads bowed tonight. What if, what if God's best work, what if his masterpieces are painted on backdrops of unfair? What if Jesus would say to you tonight, it never was about fair? It has always been about God's glory and his fame and his reputation. And his glory was intended to be painted upon your pain. What if you and I have taken the brush out of his hands and are scribbling on the canvas looking for fair? And the truth is tonight, some of us need to say, look, God, I'm just done with fair. And I'm willing to forgive those in my life who've been unfair to me. And I'm willing to let God off the hook for not calling the foul. Because it just may be that God was painting something bigger than I understood and more powerful than I could see on the backdrop of my unfairness. Dear God, we, we come to you tonight and this isn't what we thought it was. And some of us in this room have been waiting for years for you to throw the flag and enforce the penalty. Make the balances right somehow. And in our waiting, in our insistence, in our anger... Hold the brush out of your hands. And we've begun to scribble on your masterpiece. We're just here tonight to say, if it's not about fair, if it's about your glory and your renown and your praise, then some of us need to give you a brush back. And we need to give you permission and say to you, God, God, look, if the unfairness in my life, if the wrongness of others, if the disappointments of my life are the canvas that brings you praise and helps other people to understand and see you, if it helps me to see your glory, then paint all the unfairness you need to paint. Jesus' name. Amen. What if tonight this changed? 
What if tonight we said, it's not about fair. It's about glory. What if some of us that have spent our entire lives waiting for God to make it back to fair took the paintbrush and said, paint. Even if that painting is unfair, as long as it brings glory to you. Some of us walked in here tonight with this. Some of us need to leave it when we go. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we've waited. See, we, we thought you were supposed to throw the flag. We, we thought evil men were supposed to figure out they were evil and that the places we'd been shortchanged were supposed to be evened out. But it's never been about fairness. It's been about glory and fame and your renown and and me being able to believe that you're in control, that you can redeem any moment of my life, that there's nothing too great for you to heal. That sometimes you were teaching me what I couldn't learn any other way. So God, we're just here tonight to say, if your best work is shown by unfairness in my life, then go ahead and paint away. The brush is yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, some of you are going to want to talk. Some of you want to spend some time. I'll be here at the front. We'll do that. And God bless you for being in this place.